Hello and welcome to Making Media Now, the filmmaker's collaborative podcast. I'm your host, Michael Azevedo. On this episode, I speak with Elizabeth Dean and Judith Vecchioni, co-executive producers of American Veteran, a multi-tiered project that traces the veteran experience through a four-part broadcast series, a nine-part podcast, and a 10-part series of digital shorts. From the citizen soldiers returning from the revolution to today's warrior class, American Veteran is a deeply moving story, highlighting personal remembrances, drawing civilian viewers into an unfamiliar culture, and showcasing the evolving relationships between Americans who have served in the military and those who have not. Here's the trailer. I flew with B-17 bombers. I volunteered for missions because I couldn't stop. It was just too exciting. I was an aerial door gunner. As a woman, I had to prove myself day in and day out. We cried, we laughed, we killed. We did everything together and for one another. You think you're uncomfortable hearing my story? Imagine how uncomfortable it was living it. Raise your right hand and repeat after me. When I put on that uniform, I represented the United States of America. And you know what? That's still who I am inside. Being a veteran is like speaking a different language. And when you're around these people who have served, you feel understood. We are living history. I am primary source. I'm telling you my story. Elizabeth Dean's best-known work includes films she wrote and produced over two decades for PBS's American Experience, notably Nixon, The Kennedys, Ulysses S. Grant, and Reconstruction, The Second Civil War. Judith Vecchioni is an executive producer at GBH Boston, where her most recent project was Blood Sugar Rising, an award-winning PBS special that explored the history and personal stories of America's devastating diabetes epidemic. In her long career, Vecchioni has contributed to major PBS documentary series, including Vietnam, A Television History, Nova, American Experience, and Frontline. Making Media Now is sponsored by Filmmakers Collaborative, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting media makers from across the creative spectrum. From providing fiscal sponsorship to presenting an array of informative and educational programs, Filmmakers Collaborative supports creatives at every step in their journey. To learn more, visit filmmakerscollab.org. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with friends. And now on to my conversation with Elizabeth Dean and Judith Vecchioni. Hello and welcome to Making Media Now. Joining me today are Judith Vecchioni and Elizabeth Dean. They are the co-executive producers of a new PBS initiative. And by initiative, I mean there's a four-part television series. There is an exhaustive uh, web presence uh, with, with a lot of shorter video pieces and a podcast all under the title of American Veteran. Uh, so I'd like to welcome you both to Making Media Now. It's great to see you. Thank you. I want to start at the beginning. And by the beginning, I mean the beginning of how this series, how this initiative 
uh, came to each of you as an idea. And whichever one of you would like to take that question first, have at it. That's Judith Vecchioni. Why don't I start with a little bit and then pass it on to Elizabeth, which is that one day Elizabeth came into the office and she said, I I've heard of this great new museum. I, I have, I'm really, really interested. And that was the, what became the National Veterans Memorial and Museum in Columbus, Ohio. And she and our vice president, John Berdar, went out there and can describe, she can describe for you what they found. Yes, this is our Genesis story, Michael. Uh, Through a contact of mine at a company in New York that designs the most brilliant museum exhibits, we were introduced to the National Veterans Memorial and Museum in Columbus, Mm -hmm. Ohio. And the museum was interested in bringing the message of the museum beyond the walls was the way they put it. Sure. And so John Bradar and I went out there when it was still under construction, but you could already see enormous imagination and energy, even in the design of the building. And as the exhibits went in, uh, you could see uh, such a strong message. And we really understood why they wanted to bring it to a much wider audience. And we were actually inspired in the making of these films to follow the arc that they do. You take the oath, you are trained, you serve, you leave. So that's how it began. Yeah, the series is broken up into four chapters, so to speak, beginning with episode one is called The Crossing. Episode two is The Mission. Episode three is The Return. And episode four is The Reckoning. And Uh, Each episode takes a pretty comprehensive look. And when I say comprehensive, I mean that there are, you know, there's firsthand accounts from military veterans ranging all the way back from World War II to the recently wound down U.S. engagement in Afghanistan. When you were putting together your uh, cast, so to speak, of of participants, tell me about some of the considerations that you that you had in mind uh, so that you could feel like, you know, all voices were heard from and all perspectives were represented. I think the first thing to note is that we interviewed the producers at Insignia Films interviewed some 50 veterans for this project. That's a huge number. And these were long, long interviews for Mm -hmm. five hours to really understand their stories. They were incredibly generous with with us. We were grateful. Um, And that was because the, the number of veterans, the range of veterans from every service from every war that we had living veterans from, from men, women. That was because we had decided that every voice in this series would be a veterans. And by every voice, we mean the testimony, the experts, and even the narrators. Uh, yeah, and even the narrators, and that's something to yes, note. So, you know, veterans, and but, you know, Michael, it was kind of like, three-dimensional tic-tac-toe casting this thing because you wanted to represent all the services and the diversity of people who serve, which is the diversity of this country now. And so they worked so hard and also across demographics, you know, as you say, 
from World War II, the, that's the earliest, the oldest living veterans, all the way to now. And they also reached back in history and found spokesmen, you know, quotes from the Civil War and other eras in our history, World War One. Yeah, 96-year-old Frank DeVita, yes. uh, who, who spoke so movingly about his experience at Omaha Beach during the D-Day invasion. And talk a little bit about what Frank carried with him through through the decades and through this exhaustive interview process that you that you referenced um, eventually come to share with with you and with our viewers. He has a remarkable memory. Mm-hmm. He remembers the number of his boat. You know, he remembers so much, but he had, as he says in the film, never talked about it. His wife died five years ago. She never knew. He uses that phrase. She never knew. And his ability to describe with feeling and accuracy was just stunning. Yeah, you know, we've come to hear the phrase, hear the acronym PTSD. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that that acronym is actually applied as a shorthand for the most banal, you know, uh, experience that somebody has in their everyday life. But when you really dive into what PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder is, and how it's probably existed uh, as long as warfare has existed, and as long as veterans have had to try to re-enter um, so-called normal life. But of course, it's been called different things. Yes, uh, shell called, shock. Yes. Soldier's heart in the Civil War. Soldier's heart. Interesting. Right. And and so when you when you hear the story of somebody like Frank DeVita, it kind of makes sense that he probably just did not feel comfortable or comfortable enough to give himself permission to delve into the trauma that he had experienced. There were no services. There was no provision for it. And that meant there was no permission for it. And and that was hard. I think one of the things that I was struck by is the range of what people, what these veterans brought out. Some of them brought out PTSD Mm -hmm. and some of them brought out great confidence and strength from their service. They really found who they were. And that kind of authenticity is, I think, what we were we were hoping for um, by giving them a platform to tell their stories in their own words. We've really, I think, uh, achieved that authenticity. I hope people agree. And as interesting as what they what they took away from the military service, I also found really interesting uh, what inspired them, you know, what what prompted them to join to join the military. Sometimes it was, you know, it was, it was a family tradition in more than one instance. It was a response to the events of 9-11. What did you learn about what did inspire some of the participants to to want to serve their country in that manner? I think I had not understood the extent to which the tradition survives in military families, generation after generation. Mm -hmm. And more and more in it, when you have a volunteer force, that's where uh, so many volunteers come from my father my grandfather my uncle my brother served and now i'm going to and you the the range of experiences that 
many of the people in the series depict, they, those also run the gamut. There, there are lots of stories told about struggles that the individuals had to endure, uh, whether it was uh, stories of uh, sexual harassment, whether it was stories of serving the military proudly during the era of don't ask, don't tell. Uh, that's particularly salient in the in the case of Greg Cope White. And oftentimes, and I think particularly around stories of, of, of veterans, there can be a tendency to it has to be black or white. You're either making a, a, a film that shows just the horrors of war and how the military just feeds uh, personnel into those horrors of war, or there are these, it, it's 100% just laudatory and don't criticize, don't look too close. And so the, the series and the podcast and the, the web excerpts, um, they do a really fantastic job of kind of finding that not necessarily middle ground, but having an intelligent conversation about the complexities of the experience. Could you could you speak a little bit about how how that came to be? I don't know about you, Elizabeth, but we're at the time we're recording this, we're about halfway through the television, through all of the series, actually, yep. mm-hmm. the television, the digital series on YouTube and the podcast. Um, and I don't know about you, but as I watch this with family, with friends, I keep having to cover my mouth and not say, wait till you find out what happens with this person, (laughs) because the person you meet in episode one, who maybe returns in episode two, is quite surprisingly changed. Something has happened. And maybe they come back in episode four. And again, you say, how did this person go from I'll just pick an example of a gung ho volunteer after 9-11 to a conscientious objector trying to get out of the service. Right. And that complexity is what I think you're you're picking up on. And and did are you finding yourself covering your mouth also, Elizabeth? Well, yes. And sometimes I don't succeed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. I want to read you something that really was just lovely music to our ears. I think it was a post that came in uh, that our social, the head of social Tory star sent along says, I almost changed the channel when this program came on last night because, because I thought it was just another documentary about the military. Boy, was I wrong. And I'm so glad I didn't change the channel. This is about deeply personal human experience, the revelations about their challenges and triumphs, you know, it just goes on. And sort of it that captures uh, the complexity that Judith is talking about and how important it was to us that is not be just another film, as you said, Michael, that's either the horrors or the triumphs. It's profoundly complex and profoundly personal across a, such a range of experience. And I really salute Insignia Films, the filmmakers in New York, who brought together this cast because they're superb. I just love watching them. Judith, don't you? We've seen them oh, hundreds of times. Right. This has been a long process. And it, it takes a it takes a lot of people to make such a, a big project. There's the Insignia Productions people who were the filmmakers. That's the, the core of the project. The start of it was these four films. They also took the podcast. The podcast dives each episode of our podcast, which is called American Veteran Unforgettable Stories. Mm-hmm. And 
each one of them dives deeply into one of these veterans that you have seen across, you've seen bits and pieces of their stories across the four television hours. Instead, you spend a half an hour saying, oh, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's so satisfying. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then there was an entirely another production company called Blue Chalk out in Oregon, who were our producers for the digital series, which is called American Veteran Keep It Close on YouTube, on PBS's YouTube channel. And they found a whole nother set of veterans who presented a different take on their experience because it's digital, it's a slightly lighter tone to it. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't spend, you know, the 20 minutes we spend with Frank DeVita talking about Omaha beach, but you can hear um, an intelligence officer at the failed rescue of the hostages in Tehran talking about his experience and what he learned and how he's brought that. Um, And you can also hear, uh, a Marine telling you about the bunny that her that yeah. stuffed bunny that her family gave to her, her children gave to her. They said, you take this with you, mom, when you go back. So. Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent point in the in the Web uh, version. There are some really uh, fantastic humanizing stories. Uh, one one that uh, comes to mind that you're reminding me of, Judith, is is a, uh, a sequence of conversations around an item. that veterans held with them through the duration of their, whether it was their combat service or, you know, wherever they, wherever they were stationed and what the, what those items represented in terms of being a keepsake from home or just uh, sometimes it was um, in the case, it was a puppy that one individual essentially uh, adopted and, you know, what's more beautiful and cute and innocent than a puppy in the ravages of war. Another thing I want to point out, and Judith, you made mention of this a little while back, is that the film is the, the series uh, is narrated by uh, a lot of voices that people might be familiar with and certainly names. But what they might not be familiar with is the fact that your narrators, Drew Carey and Tammy Duckworth, I think Tammy Duckworth less so people probably know about her service, but Drew Carey and Wes Studi and J.R. Martinez are all veterans. Say a little bit about why you all felt like that was an important decision to make in terms of uh, selecting your narrators. First of all, it was it's unusual to have four different narrators across the series. You know, usually you just have one. We felt that we wanted more veterans voices added to this. So we went looking for higher profile. That always helps when you have a documentary to have a narrator that whose name people recognize. And so the search was for uh, veteran celebrities in a sense are well-known people such as Senator Tammy Duckworth. Sure. I, it was part, it's part of that keeping the platform authentic, keeping it, uh, the veterans. And we struggled with with that. It was hard to find the right veterans to do this, whose experiences as their own personal experiences would feed into hosting the particular programs. And we thought about other th- ish questions. For example, we could have added in family members mm-hmm. who are the at-home component of service. They are an important part. And our veterans talk over and over again about the impact of their service on their families um, and why that mattered to them. 
you know, you make choices. You only have four hours. You make the choices you have to make. I want to go back to one thing that you were mentioning before, which is the the objects that veterans took with them Mm -hmm. and took back. And on our website, people will see that we are inviting our viewers and listeners to send in their stories as well about these the object that they carried on their service or that their father brought back from Japan or Germany or Vietnam. Is one of them that's just come in is a pin from a hand grenade. Wow. <laughs> wow. Saying, you know, I'm, I really was glad I didn't blow myself up. I think. Right, right. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, I think that one, if I remember correctly, he pulled the pin and then his his instructor had to grab it and throw it. He didn't know to throw it. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, that's a keepsake. That, that's going to uh, remind you continually about the fragility of life, I would assume. Um, so we invite listeners to your podcast to go over and see if they would like to contribute to this. We we're so interested in exploring this further with viewers. Yeah, that's kind of the beauty of the multifaceted approach that you all have taken, you know, in, in collaboration with your uh, other pr- producers. And I and I do want to give a shout out also to Stephen Ives and Leah Williams, who acted as both co-directors uh, and in, in Leah's case, uh, producer also on this um, really powerful series. But the, the, the great thing about the platform that you've essentially given is that, you know, it, it takes what could be a static experience, which is a you know, the viewing of a four part television series to really just a an open ended conversation and dialogue. And, and that provides the opportunity for really gaining insight and, and empathy, I think, um, around all the stories that you're telling and all of the people that you're that you're profiling. What a wonderful description, Michael. It's true. And also, as this has been unfolding, rolling out of uh, in t- to Veterans Day and beyond, really, the films will be available for free streaming until the end of January. It means that that conversation can go on and on, you know, and it's so different from the days in which you had a premiere and then people couldn't see the film anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, it was kind of one and done. And then, you know, maybe if you had insomnia and you were up at 3 a.m., you, <laughs> you might have got it if you were channel surfing. Um, I read that each of you have a spouse who served during the Vietnam War. And I'm curious, uh, specific to this film, but also maybe uh, related to some of the other really just, you know, you want to talk about a PBS greatest hits that each of you have been part of over the decades uh, from uh, Judith, in your case, on Eyes on the Prize. Both of you had a connection to the Vietnam, a television history series. Uh, Elizabeth, you produced um, a number of the uh, American Experience presidential profiles. I'm curious how you think Uh, Your firsthand personal experience with veterans, particularly veterans of of the Vietnam War, uh, has impacted your take on subjects such as this. Well, it adds a personal dimension for me and I think for you, Elizabeth, as well. And um, I I am also the daughter of a veteran. My my father was a World War II veteran in some of the truly horrible fighting in East Asia and the Philippines. And the experience of 
what you heard and what you didn't hear, what was discussed in my father's case with daughters. Mm -hmm. Do you discuss these things with daughters? Maybe not. But when I married my husband, he discussed things with my husband. So you're beginning to see that community of veterans, the way in which talking amongst themselves is valuable and easier than it is to veterans and civilians. And I think that was a real push for, again, for me, and I think for both of us to encourage the kind of dialogue that you're talking about, the community to, to consider what veterans have to say to civilians, what civilians have to say to veterans. And we're in this together. So um, how do we, how do we bridge those, those, separations. Does that sound right to you, Elizabeth? Yes. And also, I mean, in my case, my husband came away from his service with a deep belief in what would be the value of national service for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you have to be in the military, but you serve your country somewhere, some way, because what his service did for him was take him out of his silo or what his culture, whatever, into a completely different setting with completely a range of people such as those you meet in our series. Right. And it it's essential, I think, particularly now when we are so divided. And if you live here and you think this, you don't talk to that person over there and you might not trust them. And you don't even have to press that button in my husband and he'll start talking about national service as such a valuable thing. We hear that often with the veterans. Cody Ione talked about it last week in a, in a conversation that we had at the National Veterans Memorial and Museum. They hosted a conversation <laughs> and he talked about what he took away was the need for service and that service is, yes, it's joining the military, but it's also getting on your the board of directors of your local library, helping in your school. And I found that passion that he brought to that yes. was reflected across a number of the veterans that we interviewed. I'd also be curious to hear uh, from each of you speaking as filmmakers and quite obviously both students and scholars of history, how having that personal connection allowed you through your careers Uh, And in the various films that you've made to make the separation between examining war and its impact on military personnel. You know, you you often hear, you know, I'm anti-war, but I'm pro-military. As Elizabeth, you just pointed out about divisions. Divisions are all are too often made between, well, if you're pro-military, you can never question a nation's decision to go to war. Or if you're anti-war, then somehow members of the military, um, you know, shouldn't be listened to. And yet your personal experiences really reveal the much greater complexity that's at play. Again, let me say that I think we saw that kind of complexity in both our own experiences and in the veterans. Elizabeth was talking about her husband taking away the uh, need for service. My father, who was in Japan shortly after Hiroshima, took away an abiding belief that that war was was the problem. Not that he wasn't proud of of it, but he felt, you know, Hiroshima probably saved him and it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. And that kind of 
how do you put that together is really important to explore because it's not the soldiers on the ground in Japan who are making those decisions. It's all of us. We have a civilian-led military in this country. It's one of the glories of our democracy. Um, and so recognizing the contradictions and the complexities is a part of our responsibility. Also, Judith, though, wouldn't you say that we had intense training in the crucible of making Vietnam a television history yes. in the early 1980s. We were just children then, of course. <laughs> but everybody who came to that series, some of them were British and some were American, dragged their duffel bag of passion and feelings and history into that crucible down the street at Western Avenue. And we had to learn to listen to each other and to face the facts and build a tale of profound complexity, listening yeah. to all those different voices. And Judith, don't you think we both took that away? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And From I would say even the French in as well, because we had right. French right. partners and for them, it was the hardest for them to maintain that fact-based List and respectful listening uh, posture that we were developing in ourselves. It was it was hard. It was hard to do that. And we took that. I think I took that to eyes on the prize for sure. Uh, another contentious story where we had to listen to each other. And there were tremendous learnings from that as a result, right up to right up to this as well. Well, there's a a woman in the, the series uh, says being a veteran is like speaking in a different language. And this four part series, the podcast and the the website initiative really goes a long way toward bridging that gap between those who speak that language and those who who choose to understand that language, who long to understand that language and, you know, and therefore have a fuller understanding of not just not just the military, but the military veterans. I can't encourage people strongly enough to check out every facet of the American veterans uh, presentation, both the uh, the TV series, all three, the TV series, the podcast and, and the web version. So I have been speaking with Judith Becchioni and Elizabeth Dean, who are the co-executive producers on this. And I thank you for this presentation, for this initiative and for your time. This has been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. This is wonderful.